Hey guys, I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. Welcome to If, if Walls, Walls Could Talk. Talk. We're the owners of Style & Structure. We build and renovate custom homes. We're going to talk about everything from purchasing a lot to building your dream home. There's a lot that goes on behind the build. And we are gonna talk about all of it with guest speakers, experts in the field, designers, and real homeowners. And oh man, if walls could talk. Thanks for joining us with another episode of If Walls Could Talk. I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. So far we've discussed picking out land and what to consider with lot conditions. Yeah, and I think now that we have the lot, whether it's an open lot or a full teardown, it is time to start drawing those plans. Now we really get to see the house come together. At this point, we've just been talking about ideas, putting together pricing, trying to visualize it on the lot, but seeing it all drawn out is one of my favorite, favorite stages. So today we have our architectural designer, Justin, here with us. Hi, Justin. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And basically what we're going to do is talk with Justin about that process and figure out what homeowners can expect as they are designing their plans and designing their home. So, so first question for you, Justin. A lot of homeowners get a little nervous on what to prepare for you. You know, they're pulling Pinterest ideas, um, doing square footage of their current home, measuring things, just going around to different model homes. There is a lot out there and maybe a little too much, but what can they do to prepare for their meeting with you? Really what you said is just kind of best understanding your current home and as you transition into this next home is just kind of putting a list of your wish list versus those must-haves, what do you need? And then understanding your current room size, bedrooms, kitchens, how that operates, what you're liking from that, or what needs to change and just isn't working for you. We've seen during COVID, people really shifting lifestyles from open floor plans into more closed off rooms and how your life has adapted if you're working from home, if your kids need kind of a space to work from. Understanding not only those subtleties, but in general, just kind of your life transitions. Are you aging in place and planning to live there and you're kind of forever home? Or is this kind of a move up home before your retirement home? And just kind of understanding what those needs are and really kind of putting together those wish lists. What needs to be in that home versus what are some fun items you want options metal roofs bathroom freestanding tubs things like that so how do you educate the buyer on you know spatial awareness uh, everybody thinks man this is going to feel really small i don't want to be pinched in here uh, versus square footing and their budget yeah so really kind of starting with that budget understanding what are some options you want understanding the square footage is it a rambler plan with a basement is it a two-story home or some modified version with a main floor master uh, kind of working through those plans those layouts incorporating that square footage but also when we draw up those conceptual plans uh, really getting furniture into that initial schematic so you can start to see here's a king bed or a queen bed here's kind of living room furniture dining room table and then again measuring that comparing it to maybe some of the existing furniture you're looking to incorporate or some of those new furniture pieces that you're buying as we start kind of designing some of those layouts. Yeah, and I think that never fail when someone is looking at a 2D version on a small sheet of paper, they're always thinking, oh my gosh, it's gonna be too small. So I think the furniture piece is super helpful. But I do remember one of our first models at Style & Structure, the homeowners kept saying, this is not gonna be big enough. 
this, we're, we're so nervous. The great room, the dining room. And once it was built, they were like, holy cow, this is huge. But it's true. I mean, it's hard to picture. It really is. Yes. And that's a big piece of you're kind of measuring out your existing home. And we always incorporate dimensions or a scalable element into those plans. Just so you can kind of look through each piece and say, all right, 14 by 15, for example, for one room. How does that feel um, as you're kind of laying out maybe like a screen porch and then additional pieces are vaults. How does that look when we start kind of getting into that space? So under construction, we've kind of thought through a lot of those elements. Yeah. So walk us through the process as a style and structure customer. We've gone to their lot. We firmed up all of those details. We set some initial pricing without knowing their floor plan yet. And now we've scheduled them to meet with you. Typically, they're meeting at our offices for that first meeting with you. Walk us through that process and kind of the timeline of what to expect with you. Yeah, that initial piece, we're taking some inspiration that you might have some floor plans, maybe in Pinterest, Instagram, House, whatever kind of social media apps or wherever you're kind of finding some of those initial ideas from and taking those along with your feedback, that wish list or that must have list and really start to generate a rough concept walls, locations, doors, kind of room size and tags, and start incorporating that into kind of a first draft, reviewing that schematic with you, and then making tweaks and adjustments from there. That initial piece works pretty quick. Usually within that two weeks, we're kind of working through some of those initial schematics. And then from there, each additional revision, we just keep adding maybe another four or five days to each revision. And then we start shifting into some of those exterior designs. And that's when things really start to come to life. We've considered some of this on the initial piece as we're kind of developing those floor plans, understanding what that exterior style, whether it's more contemporary or some more traditional elements like a farmhouse or a craftsman, making sure that as we're kind of building those rooms and those volumes that we've already considered what this is gonna to start to look like. But then as we shift into that exterior design is kind of that second phase that we start building that 3D model and we can really start to see what it looks like. And it's always fun just seeing the homeowners uh, inspirations kind of come to life through those plans. I love the 3D models. <laughs> I just think it's just a fun phase to see when you're seeing it, you know, 2D to 3D. It just looks so much different. It's yes. amazing. The homeowners always love that piece. As we start spinning that model around, we can start to see all four sides, the lot conditions that we've started to factor in, how it affects the plans and layouts. And then once we start kind of rendering some of those siding materials on there, it really starts to kind of pop. And that 2D plan that's so difficult to kind of understand really starts to come to life on that exterior design. Yeah, that is so much fun. Uh, just a question, if you're, you know, you've been to the lot and you've kind of taken inventory of the views and the elevation stuff like that. How do you guide the homeowner on, you know, really um, how to turn their house, what the design should be to really maximize those, those views? Yeah, a lot of that kind of depends on what we're working with for those lot conditions. So understanding if it's a full basement, a lookout or a walkout, how that starts to orient the high side of the lot when we're positioning garage, what that approach looks like from kind of that street. Are you trying to screen views and take advantage of private lots? Or are we trying to get access to a more difficult location on the lot? Kind of how those elements start to affect placement of things. And then as we start to kind of mass and elevate that, we can start to push and pull on different areas to accentuate. Do we need to move an office forward just to try to create more of a courtyard space or turning a garage? Just different elements like that, but also kind of understanding the budget. 
how can we utilize that lot best so that we're taking advantage of kind of the natural features on the lot and really designing to that lot rather than designing a house, plopping it on and forcing everything to work and trying to make a bunch of changes to the lot that could start running the budget up or affecting different elements. I think a lot of people come to us wanting to start with a floor plan design while they're searching for a lot and it's just putting the cart before the horse because of like you have to you know windows are a big part of our overall designs on homes we have big beautiful windows especially in the great room and maximizing those views I think is is really important yeah I agree and I think there's kind of two different aspects to that if you're working on a larger four or five acre lot or larger than that, we've got a little bit more flexibility to kind of position something, take advantage of maybe a hillside if you want to walk out or pull it forward and kind of, if you're looking for more of that full basement so that main floor can really live as that entertaining space as it works outside and start incorporating some of those outdoor features that here in Minnesota, we love any kind of screen porch, open covered Mm -hmm. patios, just take advantage of those months. They're short, they're brief, but they're just really kind of add to that existing main level space keep the mosquitoes out yes <laughs> so how often i know all customers are really different in personality and how organized some are how much some prepare and some just come in and wing it but how often do you see changes do you get a lot of customers that because they have brought in so much inspiration we do that concept and they hit the ground running or is there some customers that make multiple changes throughout it really varies i mean there's quite a wide spectrum we've had people that come in with some additional initial ideas we start putting some things together and we hit it that first time and they love it and then we just make subtle tweaks to it as we kind of elaborate on the space get into some of the selection choices and maybe that might influence a master bathroom layout adjustment here there but it really kind of varies some of them hit the ground running right away Others, we maybe start with a floor plan. They take the holidays to kind of think things over, meet with their family and just kind of review things. And there might be some tweaks and edits. And I've seen everything from starting with a two-story plan and really settling on, you know, start talking through how do we want to live and make adjustments to more of that main floor living style and start incorporating some of those outdoor elements into their plan ideas. Yeah. I remember years ago, we had a customer who started off with a two-story plan because they have kids and they thought, you know, well, we should have our bedroom upstairs. It's just what you do. And they were almost done with the plans and then decided our kids are going to grow up and maybe want a main floor master. And they went back to the drawing board mid project. So how do you handle customers that do that switch up mid project? What's, what's kind of the process with something like that? Yeah. So that process, we really just kind of evaluate what from the initial conversations are still important. Maybe there's a lot of features that access from that master to the bathroom, to the closet, to a laundry. They want that loop. There's different hours that people are kind of getting up. Maybe one person sleeps in and one person's up really early. Understanding what are those important elements that still need to be factored into it. But something like that, that maybe the kids are still younger and they want access to them, but they're also planning that forever home. Something as simple as locating the stair so that front access to the stairway is right near that master. A lot of times that can be a solution that you still have that close proximity, even though you're not on that same level. Um, And it's really just kind of orienting that plan, taking what was working, understanding that budget, making some adjustments to that square footage and 
just kind of coming up with a new concept before kind of hitting the ground running again. You talk about designing somebody's forever home, and I think most people that are designing their home think, yes, this is my forever home. Uh, but the reality is things do change. Kids do grow up. Um, how do you guide people through living for now versus living for the future and even resale value? Because that's a reality too. Yeah. Um, there's a couple elements to that. The resale value, I always a little hesitant on people start designing their plan around what somebody else might potentially want in the future. And that stuff changes so much. I mean, just look at what COVID did. So much. Yes. Just look what COVID did to house plans. Everybody went from these vast open concepts to, I need quartered off rooms. If I can maybe tuck a formal dining room somewhere or have pocket doors on an office just to separate working spaces that that stuff changes. So if you're planning on what somebody else might potentially want in the future, I always say, do what you want and design around what your needs are. I agree. I think we're going to direct them on something that we think is totally odd and might be a little tough for resale. Yep. But gosh, we get so many different requests. Like a lot of people say, I have to have a bathtub in my master. Yep. I never use it. I haven't used it in years, but I need a bathtub for resale. And it's like, why? <laughs> you you know, I, I do agree for resale, you need a bathtub somewhere, but it doesn't have to be in your master if you're not going to use it. And we've been doing, I would say, like half and half with leaving that tub out of the master bathroom. I couldn't agree more. If you were to ask me and my wife, my wife is one that we need a master tub. You ask me, I could do without it. So it all depends on what are your must-haves. And each each person might have a slight variation of that. And that's where you come down to a lot of times the husbands are more curious about the garage square footage. And let's add more there. All right. I get the garage, you get your master tub. So yeah. there's things like that. I think that's going to be a good poll we should put on Instagram. Bathtub or no bathtub? <laughs> I'm also a bathtub vote. How about you, Joe? Uh, I'm not a bathtub vote, but my wife certainly is. What? You don't take <laughs> bubble baths every night? Oh, no. I just thought that was your wind down process. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Another piece on that is just kind of square footage. When we start looking at that, what is also the access? If maybe they're planning that forever home, maybe they want to try and reduce risers. So access from the garage to that main level, um, access from the front porch for guests, things like that. With us being kind of a northern climate here in Minnesota, that winter conditions, slippery steps, iciness, it's, it's always good to just kind of plan in some of those aspects as well. Yeah. So you brought up COVID and that's a, another interesting point. Plans changed very fast during COVID and people's living arrangements changed so fast. How do you keep up on current trends and design? A lot of that. I mean, there's so much stuff out there in terms of the social media platforms. I hinted at a couple being housed, Instagrams, um, just kind of seeing what is shifting in those regards, but also just working with just a ton of clients that come through, just hearing what their needs are. You get kind of a reoccurring pattern in those shifts and changes, hinting at just kind of that office space, needing to close off for certain rooms, understanding that, but also like styles and designs, exteriors, things like that. Right now we're seeing a really big trend in a little bit more contemporary, maybe not making that full shift into what would be considered a modern home, but working in some of those contemporary aspects, whether it's modern craftsmen pulling in some of those mountain aspects from like a Colorado design or like a French country, just pulling in some of those softer, more white exteriors, but not being too harsh in that modern aspect. It's just kind of really fun just seeing 
a lot of different clients come through and just kind of working with them and just kind of seeing some, some of those commonalities that are in the market currently. Yeah, and I think they're looking to us for some ideas as well. A lot of customers come in, okay, I, I can look at a picture, I can see what I like, but I cannot create the whole vision. And that's where our team comes in from both the floor plans to the interior designs. We'll mm -hmm. really help guide them through making sure it really feels like them, but also suggesting some fun things. And my favorite thing to get ideas is the Parade of Homes tour. That is... We have so many great builders from this area. People come from all over to this parade. I think Minnesota has one of the biggest Parade of Homes tours in yep. the country. And we just get so many great ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's it's interesting. You know, It's cool to look at houses from different areas, too. I know Joe and I just um, were judges for a remodel showcase for homes down in Texas. And they have a whole different style. So getting ideas from different parts of the country is great, too. I know a lot of trends come out of California. Mm -hmm. um, but gosh, Minnesota had a lot of good things on the parade. So I'm excited to see what's coming up next with our spring parade model. I agree. The, just the industry in general, it's fun just kind of attending a lot of those, whether they're here or they're some of the builder shows down in either Florida or Vegas. It's just fun networking and seeing what other people are doing how does maybe that transition into like a Minnesota version of like a three season room or kind of that Minnesota room that we're so comfortable and love seeing. Mm -hmm. But so designing the house plan is just, it can get pretty emotional. Um, you know, if there's differing opinions and some people have wants that they think are needs or they have needs that the other spouse might think is a want. How do you negotiate uh, through that? <laughs> As I kind of hinted to the garage square footage versus the master tub, I really try to play not necessarily marriage counselor, but there are an aspect uh, where you're just kind of like negotiating more or less. She might have a need that he views as a want or vice versa. Just one of the different opinions there. And if we can kind of take a second and say, all right, we're not adjusting the square footage, but how do we rework a layout that's more efficient that we can get that master tub in? Or maybe there's like a makeup vanity or a drop zone or something like that that's required. If we can just design that layout, make a couple adjustments there, she gets maybe the master tub and we're able to add on like a working bench space in the garage. And if we're just maybe pushing a roof line and we're not adding a new gable end or anything like that, we can start negotiating that square footage at a reasonable piece and just kind of play around with those features. So we all know the garage is the most important, but we have to let the wife feel like the bathroom is the most important, right? It's not the bathroom, Joe. It's a kitchen. <laughs> no, but I think, too, with a lot of our clients now, it's not their first rodeo. Most of them have either built before or for sure have had a previous home with their spouse. So they've learned what's important and, you know, focus on that. Versus, you know, I just remember when my husband and I moved into our first home, we had completely different ideas. And yeah, like you said, he thought I could do without certain things. Like a mudroom. I did not have a mudroom in my first house. We walked straight into carpet in our great room. And I'm like, I didn't even think to look for that because <laughs> we had, that was our first home. And then I'm like, I will never not have a mudroom again. Yeah. So you learn what you like, what you don't like, what you're missing. Um, and that's kind of what's fun about these builds and drawing up your plans. Everybody has their their must-have list that we try to incorporate. Yeah, I think you hit hit on a really valuable thing. Not only are those must-haves important, but also those 
things you don't want to see in your plan or your new house that's i think equally important there's certain elements that maybe you lived with that just don't work for you understanding those equally can be a piece that just how that flow and layout comes together could yeah. be very important you know speaking of the layout i think it's interesting because i'm in a lot of the meetings with you hearing the homeowners of what they want ideas they have or even times that you and i have designed a model home and i have something very clear pictured in my head and Almost every time you come up with something completely different, which I love. I think that's kind of that collaborative environment uh, with homeowners and with our internal team. But you come back with, we're like, how how would this lay out? How and you come back with something that I wouldn't have even thought of. Yes, no, that's such a fun part. I believe design is synonymous with collaboration. And anytime you're able to get that team involved, last thing I want to do is just take a piece go to my office, just start drawing it up and say, here's what you get. It's so much more just fun. Just the experience and the product ends up being so much better. Anytime you start bringing in that collaboration, working with the builder like Joe, understanding that lot, some of those design construction elements, working with Danielle or Claire, just on those selections, how those pieces start influencing. All right, we really want this kitchen. Here's our ideas. Here's our inspiration. How do we work that into the layout and start carving out space and just allocating those elements um, and then making those tweaks, understanding, all right, how does that influence the exterior design? Where are we pushing and pulling to kind of play with those spaces? So being a custom builder, uh, style and structure, we, we have a saying, the sky's the limit. Um, you can really do anything you want. If it's in a picture someplace, we can do it or if it's even in your head. Um, what kind of resources do you look for if somebody's asking for something just really off the wall, uh, what's your process just to get started and, and form those ideas? Uh, I would say probably the initial start comes with just kind of ballparking some ideas with the builder. And then from there, leaning on our trades, just asking them, all right, have you done something like this? Do you have any ideas or kind of guidance that you can give us? Therefore, we're working from kind of that buildable aspect and getting that inspiration before we get too far in the plan development so we can make any needed adjustments for maybe a structural item or a view or some kind of consideration in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have a question for everyone around the table. So we are three very different personalities. (laughs) So if today you could sit down, you've got your piece of land, and you could start planning your home, what Paint a picture for our audience of what your home would look like. What are some must-haves? What's your style? How big would it be? You know, paint a quick picture. Justin, you start. Uh, for me, my personal style is very much more contemporary. So in terms of just real clean lines, simple forms, kind of a play with material and light, definitely need more contemporary, but not that super modern keeping some of those more traditional forms and volumes, but doing it in a very intentional way. Um, Light, big one for me. As much light as you can get into every room, multiple aspects, kind of cross ventilation, those kind of pieces. Great rooms that flow with the kitchen, but then maybe having some separated spaces like a dining that's off of the kitchen, but able to kind of be its own space. I would picture your home having zero wasted space (laughs) very functional yes very functional (laughs) not being you know elaborate or too big but just you know 
the right size and what you guys need and and yep exactly (laughs) uh for me much different than that and obviously i'm not asking my wife's opinion so this is just all my dream um mine would look a lot like if anybody's watched yellowstone uh the ranch house (laughs) oh i can see it um yep a lot of wood a lot of uh you know, very traditional, big stone fireplace, stuff like that. Like in more of those natural rustic materials incorporated. Yes, very, very rustic, very natural. Um, probably some big antlers on the wall someplace. Wood-burning fireplace. Absolutely, it's a must-have. That's a want, a need, not a want. <laughs> okay, but it might take you a while to get those antlers on the <laughs> on the walls. I've been trying to to get you antlers on your office. Joe keeps going on these hunting trips. And I'm like, we designed his office to kind of have that more hunting vibe. And there's still no antlers. I fell asleep. It's not my fault. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Every time you come back, like, Joe, you got something, right? Well. <laughs> okay. So this, as you guys were saying, your styles I realize I'm right in the middle of both of you, which is why maybe we all work so well together. I like a modern rustic. We work with a company called Monoman Rison Timbers. And oh my gosh, it's like a, a lumber yard. It's a dream. It's all these old beams out of log cabins. And we've done that in a lot of our homes is put these rustic beams that have really cool stories behind them so i love the idea of incorporating a lot of that in my home but i do like bright clean modern um and i would have a lot of wasted space (laughs) not really wasted space but i just you know i love entertaining i love having a space for though you know i know everybody's getting rid of the formal dining rooms but i love a formal dining room even if i just use it a few times a year I want a place for my big family to to come eat and stuff. So, yeah, I would, yeah, bigger the better for me. <laughs> and I think there's an important element to that is you look at people when they sell their home or they move on, it's those memories that they've shared and created in their old yeah. home, and they've got such a tie to it. It means so much to them that when you plan your future home, don't forget about those things, the gatherings around those family or formal dining rooms, the family table and stuff like that. While it might be Thanksgiving and Christmas, if that's an important element to you, mm-hmm. those are shared memories that will last a lifetime. For sure. But one thing about bigger is better. We do get a lot of clients that come in and want really big homes. Because I think, you know, it's hard. Square footage is really hard to change after the fact. That's one thing that we say, make sure we get that part right. But I also would rather have you know, enough of a budget to make sure the quality is there, that I can put the, you know, finishes and the details in the home versus adding so much square footage and having no fun details in the house. Absolutely. So it's a balance. Absolutely. And that's just the fun part as we start dissecting that. While we kind of start around that budget, what is that price point you're trying to be at? Here's a square footage that gets us to this number. Here's some of those options that you start listing out. What are those must-haves? So tiled showers, that freestanding tub, important elements, um, maybe a screen porch. As we build that budget, we can start listing out some built-ins. Those are easy to kind of be freestanding elements. Maybe there's a furniture place piece that'll take place of that in the short term. And that's something that you plan on kind of phasing in or a finished basement. You wanna get the house square footage right. And maybe that finished basement is a future project down the road. 
that just understanding that budget and building around those options and just pricing it out so it's very transparent. Here's where you're at. Here's all the adders that can put you at this various kind of budgets and just kind of working around that. Or even changing, uh, you know, accommodating the roof line for a future porch, anything like that. Yeah, really kind of planning around what are those elements, how do we incorporate them is a smart way to start. Sure. So everybody has a story of a, a difficult project they've worked on or something that they thought was not really possible and it ended up being one of the best. Do you have any examples of uh, projects like that? I would say one of our first models just um, was the Voiski project. Um, one of our spring parade homes uh, started with a lot of design inspiration, working through. Is that the one that wanted a two-story Rambler? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> We're working around what are those requirements. The look had to be a certain way, trying to, again, incorporate more modern elements, but some more traditional aspects so it wasn't too contemporary. Uh, main floor living, that lifestyle, that open gathering space, but really having defined elements to it, but also having kind of a two-story space, so that exterior facade. And just working in all those design parameters from the start, we went through four or five revisions. We got it just right, went in for kind of the approvals, and the art committee said, we got to redesign. And so I started working through some of those elements and I think we came up with a product that was even better. I believe each iteration we improved on things that just needed a, another look. That is a challenging thing as we're going through the process because homeowners put so much time and effort and then we'll run into you know issues like whether it's city approval, architectural committee approvals in the neighborhood. There's a lot of hoops we have to jump through and it's what these homeowners hire us to do it's a lot of work behind the scenes that they have you know no idea just really how much it takes and how much we're moving behind the scenes but sometimes we do have to make those changes and that stinks but to your point it's like most of the time whether we're making those type of changes or changes in design because of budget we really try to you know just buckle down get creative and still make it something they're excited about and a lot of times it turns out better than before yes and there's elements that we can foresee we can start looking at the lot and grading but there might be a soil condition that we have to consider all right what do we have to do with a foundation go a little bit deeper put in a retaining wall kind of play with those elements or an architectural approval some of that is subjective and those rules and guidelines are while written out it's a little bit open to interpretation. So how they view something versus how we're taking an approach and just jumping on some conversations and working through, all right, if we make this adjustment, how can we tweak that? Does that comply? And just kind of working through those elements. And again, I think each iteration that we go through, it's honing in, all right, we really liked this from the product. Um, what do we do about that when we incorporate it into the next rendition? Yeah. So do you have any upcoming projects that you are excited about? Upcoming projects. I'm currently working with a family member on a new build. So back, you've got some farmland that some water table elements. So there's some challenges to working around that. We're not able to go down with a basement. So we're going up with a second story, playing okay. into some more contemporary materials, roof lines, clean elements, um, wood siding, just having a lot of fun with that space, that layout. And they're looking at doing a sport court just in the winter, not having a basement to let kids run around in, that an area for them to blow off some steam. So incorporating that into the roof lines and the design is just a really fun piece right now. 
That's awesome. You had talked about just family memories, um, and that just kind of sparked something in me. Everybody comes from such a different background. We all just talked about our dream homes, and you know how much of our childhood is actually in our dream home. Uh, we all we remember different things, our Christmases, our, our family gatherings. And I think that's just interesting when you bring, you know, now a husband and wife together, we're trying to mesh these family traditions into a new house with new memories. And it's just such a special thing that we get to do. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Joe, that was beautiful. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I mean, a little deer over here. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is, it's hard too, though, to mesh two different, families together you know who live very different and very different traditions but um yeah usually I think that collaboration is what makes the home beautiful because right now I think a big trend is that mix and match so if you do get a customer who the wife really likes you know something that is a little bit more homey and the husband likes something that's more modern we can collaborate both of those so it, yeah. it looks great. And I think a good element of that is, I mean, you start looking at the railing versus the fireplace. You can bring in that warm, natural wood mantle, but you can do a wrought iron railing. So the two pieces, that black railing and that wood mantle, really accentuate each other well, but you get kind of that both elements. Mm -hmm. Maybe some more contemporary pieces, but still maintaining that rustic balance. Something like yeah. that, I feel, would be right up Danielle's alley for her home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I mentioned earlier that we have the Spring Parade of Homes coming up in March. Um, and we have a model home in there that this is such a cool home that was designed. I think you did such a great job. Of We have clients that have come from, gosh, where are they from Portland? Is that right? I believe so. So they came from Portland, and they just have a fun unique style from what we are used to here in minnesota so we got to play around with a fun different unique design so why don't you tell us a little bit about what went into that and what people can expect if they come out to see our model home yeah so that one we had again started with a two-story but as we went through and understood how that wants or how their wants and needs were and that lifestyle we shifted more into a, a rambler style plan finished the basement and one of the fun elements there was a must-have of an indoor pool so as we incorporated that into the layout, understanding how that gets accessed from the existing house. So the indoor covered pool accessed from the lower level and just the design and layout of it just came together real nice. It's so nice. And I just remember any indoor pool I've been to in the past, it's been, you know, really musty and, and kind of that moldy smell. I haven't ever wanted that personally just because of my experiences in homes it's certainly not what you experience in a hotel but now you know between building codes and different things that we had to do for this space it really is you know just feels so fresh and a little bit more like a you know hotel space and and bright and it's also a little bit a detached feeling to the home yeah just kind of when the designs were coming together so the exterior has a kind of a French Tudor look to it yeah. with more contemporary elements. Again, that contemporary piece really seems to be a trend that we're incorporating into a lot of designs nowadays. But just that detached piece, there's a little bit of a breezeway uh, mezzanine that kind of connects the two pieces. So they have their own design elements that complement each other very well with roof lines, massing, and all that. But just being access to that lower level, the positioning on the lot, how it's kind of screened, you almost come to that front door and you can see that there's something there 
But until you, if you didn't know about it, until you get into that space and you kind of enter that lower level, it really begins to open up and it's like, wow, I didn't even realize this was here. Yeah, and really another example of relying on the experts to kind of guide us along the way from, you know, like Danielle mentioned, the smell of a pool in a house. We can go the salt water pool versus chlorine, uh, the big air exchange systems that need to go into something like this and really how we insulate. There's so many things that went into this that it was really a learning curve for us. Um, I've done an indoor pool in the past, but in such a different way from, you know, 15 years ago till now, there's just, uh, we've come so far in our technology and, and being able to do this. Yeah, and I think hinting on that is just that collaboration. It isn't just me and the client, me and the builder, me and the selection team, but we also begin collaborating with our trades as well. So it really becomes one big team working on this dream home and getting it to the finish line and really getting all those elements executed properly. Yeah. So Joe, Justin designed a massive home for you to put in a very wooded lot. <laughs> Can you kind of walk through the challenges of kind of cutting that lot out and making it an opening and, and everything that needed to go into it to make that happen? Well, that again, that's just a, a really fun way that we work together. Um, I love the land part of it. I love looking at lots that almost seem unbuildable and try to envision how that's going to be. And, you know, we're going to take these trees out, but try to preserve as many of the, you know, the mature trees as we can. And um, just really working with the lot instead of trying to make the lot fit the house, I think is something that's a little bit different and unique about us. Um, you see a lot of builders, you know, they're going to doze almost all the trees. They're going to flatten the lot. They're going to do a lot of things just to make this house plan work. Uh, Justin has a, a really good, again, looking at the land, there's, there's a big slope here. How can we work with that in, instead of fighting it? I think that's a, a pretty big issue. I agree. Just kind of that initial concept. When we started with this one, we had a couple different garage orientations. Do we flip the house, garage right, garage left? How do we play with the lot so that we can kind of maximize our use of the space? Um, what are those views that we want to keep? So when we orient the house, and then that pool access, is that from the lower level? Is that on the upper level? As we start positioning that grade, where does that kind of play into the natural flow of the land? So that we can start landscaping everything and it doesn't just seem like we mounted everything and manufactured a hillside for the house to be placed on, but it actually works with the land and is nestled in there and feels like it's part of the scene. So let's talk price. I think people are super concerned with going custom sometimes because they think, oh my gosh, the, the expense of this is going to get out of hand. So just starting with the actual drawings, you know, there's kind of two ways people can start the process. They could start with an architect and draw their plans and then speak to a builder, uh, which is a whole different pricing yep. setup. And then they can meet a builder who could take them through the land process, like we're talking about drawing straight into selections and kind of have it be part of their process. So can you explain just a little bit about those two different experiences and kind of what costs would go into that for a homeowner? Yeah. So when you start looking at designing your plan and then sourcing a builder, you're kind of working with kind of two different companies. You're getting things designed, you're getting things selected and you're might have a budget in mind, but if your designer doesn't have your budget incorporated into real costs, they're just giving you everything you want 
And what you end up with is a plan that you love and are ready to build. And then you start shopping builders and you're trying to get it done at a certain budget. And if they didn't consider that, now all of a sudden you have a plan that's overbuilt Mm -hmm. and you're running around trying to find how to cut square footage, how to do this. And a lot of times what we see are people end up redesigning their plan and they have to completely change everything. And that can get challenging because you've now fallen in love with a plan and there might not be elements you want to cut, but in order to get to the budget that you're trying to be at, that's kind of the challenge of that first route. And it's really two different ways to look at it. If you're you know, starting, like you said, you have a budget, we're building up to the budget versus taking something bigger and cutting to get down to the budget. Yep. You never had it, but it feels like something's getting taken away versus the excitement of building up to it. I agree. And that's the beauty of kind of this process that we have is we're working around the design and layout and that budget on the front end. So we're talking through square footage numbers. We're talking through layouts. How does the home flow? Is it a two story? Is it a rambler? Do we need to finish a basement instead of going up? How do we play with that square footage and that budget in tandem that we're really working on the designs, but we're being conscious of that budget as we're going through the design versus giving everything you want and then hoping that the numbers shake out in the end. And that just can be a challenge. Yeah. Like I love when a homeowner will say, hey, I want to angle this garage and, you know, make changes to their plan. And right then and there, you can tell them we can do that. But here's what it would take to make that happen and the trust work and the cost. So right in the moment, they can decide whether that change is worth it to them or if it's like, oh, gosh, I didn't think it was that much. Never mind. Keep it. And I think that's really important because that can eliminate a lot of back and forth or sticker shock if we're talking budget through the design. I could agree more. Just real time being able to, all right, here's where we started with those adjustments. Here's what it does. How does that feel and work with a layout? Um, mm-hmm. Is there a better way to get that same element that you're trying to achieve? And mm-hmm. just kind of work working through those design elements. Yeah. And I think too, a lot of people when they're starting their process, they might already have their lot. So they want to design their home and then shop builders. So they feel like they're going to get the best information if they already have a plan and then builders, you know, bid it out. Which I think people don't know that builders can actually give you a lot of information without a floor plan. So if you have something in mind, if you have your square footage in mind, kind of the finish level, you can get a pretty good idea of what each builder is going to come in at and learn about them, their process, and if they're, you know, the type of builder you want to work with before going down that route. But a custom floor plan can cost anywhere from 10 to 40 or more thousand dollars. Yep. And that's a big part of your budget where if they were to come to, you know, for us, I think people are surprised to find out that's included in our process. You are not paying a separate fee to draw your plans. Um, You're also not paying a separate fee to work with our designers on your home, you know, because also people hire outsourced designers to help them kind of come up with the overall look of their home. And that's a piece that I kind of go back to is just our process in general. I, I always say collaboration is one of the best things we have to offer our clients is mm-hmm. just working with them, working with the builder, the lot, the layout, our trades, selections. It's an in-house experience where we cover from start to finish 
we sit down with the napkin sketch and at the end we turn over the keys and it's working with us and our team the entire way through that we're able to advise on here's the floor plans here's the budget here's the selections and we come with such a great starting point on those selections you had hinted at earlier that while you want that square footage there's some upgrades you can make there's also some features and nice selections that you want to keep in mind mm -hmm. and as we work through what is that spec list when we're designing that plan whether it's flooring material fireplaces options exteriors all that stuff we really kind of come with a starting point and all that can be elaborated on for sure well i think uh hopefully everybody has a good idea of kind of the process of what it would take to draw your home and um just you know get it from that lot phase to the concepts to exteriors and getting you ready for that interior design a lot of people want to start jumping into selections but we really need to dial in the actual floor plan the square footage um, some of those bigger finishes prior to picking out your selections because a lot of our pricing in selections depends on that. Yeah. And while people might be hesitant to take that next step into the selections, uh, I think a unique thing that we offer is just our flexibility and that customization. It doesn't start or start and stop day one, that first concept that goes out. We'll put together those schematics. We'll develop that exterior. And then as we shift into those interiors, we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes to button up structural elements, lot conditions, um, any surveys or kind of those construction documents as well. Working with our trades as you go through the selection process to source materials, some of those sky's the limits. What is like a sauna, things like that, that you wanna start incorporating into your house. We're a lot of behind the scenes work that's going into this. And some of those design elements that may come up in selections that the bathroom that we come up with for the master might not be it and as we come through some of those interior elements might come up with another layout that works just as well and we start making tweaks so kind of circling back to that customization and that flexibility throughout the process here's where we started as we go through all the way up to the construction documents in the day we dig we're constantly making adjustments or tweaks or reorienting the layout and sharing that price real time with you here's what we did here's where we started here's the new layout adjustment on materials maybe you wanted one flooring versus another flooring or a certain design in your shower all that stuff comes into consideration as we're working through the plan and making those adjustments to try to take some of that scariness out of taking that next step away so what i'm hearing is custom does not necessarily mean more cost it just means allocating the cost into the right areas i couldn't agree more for sure and i think too you mentioned you know the behind the scenes process we talked about selection. So our upcoming episodes are going to hit just that. We're going to be talking about the selection process and what to expect there. But we're also going to talk about behind the scenes and what we're doing. Because I think a lot of times when homeowners are going through the process of designing their floor plans, going through selections, and ultimately just waiting for the build to start, what the heck are we doing behind the scenes? And it's a lot. And, you know, it, it might not be the most interesting topic to people, but I think it's important if you are building, it is, to us. It is interesting to us, but I think it's important if you're building and going through that process, it's good to know because otherwise sometimes there's frustration. Like, are you guys working on other things? Are you focusing on our job? And we are, there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes. So I think it's important to know for sure. I agree. 
Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really fun talking about architectural plans with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks again, Justin, for stopping in. It's been uh, just really interesting to hear your perspective on how these things all come together. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us, everyone. I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. And that's another episode of If If Walls Walls Could Could Talk. Talk.